0: This is our question and answer. This will be our last. Our three sessions are over. This is the Q and A, uh, and you guys have put together lots of great questions. We don't have time for them all. He's tried to limit it to around fifteen, so I'll get going and uh, let Vody speak to us on these. All right, number one, what is the role? What is the role of grandparents regarding the influence of my extended family towards my kids?
1: You know, the Bible has a lot to say about um, your children and your children's children, right? And I think we have a, a role to play in the lives of all of our descendants to the degree that the Lord would allow us, number one, to tarry, right, to live long enough to uh, have an impact and an influence on generations to come, and two, uh, to the degree that um, our, our children – um, uh, are able to and desire to have us partner with them in that process um, so it's it depends on those two factors you know I have grandchildren now and I'm you know grateful to the Lord for the privilege of having grandchildren and so I'm able to have an influence and an impact there because the Lord has allowed me to stick around long enough um, if, if the Lord sees fit and I stick around long enough for their children, then i have great-grandchildren, right? So that's the one piece. The other piece is my relationship with my children. So my daughter, for example, um, has two sons. And because of our relationship with our daughter, um, you know, she welcomes um, our input and our influence in the lives of our grandsons. And also we are, we are very careful to um, exercise that influence within the context of their desires for their children and to not contradict those those things. So um, I think those are the two factors that we have to keep in mind as, as grandparents. Right?
0: All right. Uh, do you have any detailed advice for dealing with, uh, in, in a marriage, an unsubmissive wife who is uh, mainly unsubmitted to scripture and argues with the truth?
1: I think you should wrestle her for it. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> and you just say, listen, we're going to wrestle. And if I, if I wrestle I win, No, wrestle. That's good. That's good. That's and if say. I win, then you submit to me. Um,
0: Votie is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, so he wins either way. wrestle. With theology or or the wrestling.
1: Um, No, really, it's interesting because that question, that question really is based on a misunderstanding, right? Someone's not submissive to me. How do I make them? Well, if you make them, it's not submission, right? Um, you can't coerce submission. You can't force submission. That, that's subjection, right? Um, you, you can't do that. And the other thing is, I think the question is really insightful because this is about someone who's not submitting to the scriptures. Um, and again, that's not something that we can force, okay? Okay. That's something that requires us patiently doing that, which we're called to do. And the Bible's really clear for husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? Um, You know, washing her with the water of the word. Um, You know, our desire is to see her um, in splendor, spotless, without blemish, right? Right? Um, that that that's our desire as husbands that's our approach as husbands that's our pursuit as husbands um i have to be less concerned about my wife's submission to me than i am about my submission to the lord in the way that i care for my wife um her, her her submission to me is not my problem that's her problem right that's between her and the lord um, my my job is to love my wife in such a way. Very clear. The, the way I, when you read that text, right? It's my job is to love my wife in such a way that she will be more like Christ as a result of being married to me than she would have been had she not. Okay. So that's my job. My 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 job is to is is to do that. Is to give that. Is to pursue that. Regardless of what she does or doesn't do in in terms of in terms of her submission, um, again, that's between her and the Lord. And part of part of my duty and my responsibility is that washing in the water of the Word, that teaching and that modeling, right? Um, that that patience and that long suffering. Um, so. I think I think oftentimes we, we 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 predicate too much on on that issue of what the other spouse is doing because you could flip that as well, right? And the wife, you know, is paying too much attention to him not doing what he's supposed to do. You know, Ephesians five twenty-five and following that that she's not paying attention to what it is that she's called to in five twenty-two to twenty-four. So. All right. Excellent. Uh, Let's
0: let's see, kind of back to the uh, fathers now. What if there is a a Christian wife who in her husband is not a family shepherd, perhaps not a Christian? How does she go about shepherding her kids?
1: Um, I think the the exact same way, everything that we've talked about here um, is what you would do. Um, I think Regardless of what's happening in your family dynamics, these things are non-negotiable, right? You don't say, here's what God desires for my children, but because we don't have dot, dot, dot. No. Here's what God desires for my children. He desires that they would have formative discipline and corrective discipline, regardless of the circumstances, right? Right? He desires that they would, and, and I would put that whole idea of family worship um, as one of the forms of formative discipline, okay? So if we know these things to be right, then we do them, okay? Um, regardless of our family dynamics or our family circumstances, if we know these things to be right, then we do them.
0: All right, how do we respond to those that say we should not indoctrinate our
1: children in our faith? We say, stop trying to indoctrinate me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I just, sometimes people don't know that they're being ridiculous. (laughs) And we have to sort of gently point it out to them. Um, that's a ridiculous statement. We have to indoctrinate our children to everything. Like, 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 everything. Right? So, why would I not indoctrinate my children in my faith if I'm indoctrinating my children into everything? Right? Um, so, yeah, we just sort of gently help them to understand they being ridiculous <laughs>
0: that's good what advice would you give to families that send their children to public
1: schools don't um yeah just um the government the, the government has a lot of things that it's called to do and it's supposed to do and a, a lot of things that it that only it can do you know um national defense and, you know, and, and things like that. And, uh, I think tho- those things are extremely important, uh, but there are other things that the government is just not called to do. And, uh, educating children is one of those things that the government is not called to do. Um, education is discipleship. Where educating our children is discipling our children, period. Um, Luke six forty: A student is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And his teacher is the curriculum. Okay, his teacher is the curriculum. Um, and so, yeah, just I just I just think we need to be more diligent and thoughtful um, about that whole process. Okay,
0: so strive to not send your kids to public school. Strive
1: to, strive to. Um, We are obligated to give our children a Christian education, and in the American government educational system, um, it is anti-Christian by federal mandate. Um,
0: All right, here's the question: Uh, Should I
1: baptize my children? No. I'm a Baptist, folks. What are are you kidding me with this question? No.
0: <laughs> to their defense, it did not say pre or post salvation. So well, then you, you wouldn't be <laughs> baptizing them, would
1: you? Yeah.
0: All right. If you could go back and tell your twenty-year-old uh, self anything, what would you tell him?
1: Um, buy Apple stock. <laughs> That's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would, oh, That's uh, good financial advice. Any yeah, spiritual man. advice? Yeah. Oh, think that's probably that would her. be the spiritual
1: yeah. advice, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you know, I got married when I was twenty, and uh, yeah, there's so many there's so many things about that that didn't know and didn't understand. And uh, I guess most of my advice to my twenty-year-old self would would have to do with uh, with 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 marriage and with being a husband and um, with yeah with being patient in that process and um, yeah that's good yeah right,
0: and and just out of curiosity uh, the family worship for you as you've laid out here at what point in your life did that kind of take root for your family. For you first, I'm assuming, then for your family. Was there an influence or a book or just
1: seeing the need? Um, I think we, early on, had some some people who were models of that. Um, we saw that early on. And it wasn't something that we we did right away. I remember the first time that we experienced that at somebody's house. Um, kind of newly married. It was like, hmm, that's... Dumb. Curious, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and then over time it just became something that was that made more sense to us, something that we experimented with, um, and then just became, you know, something essential to us.
0: And and it is amazing, it's not taught anymore, it's not in. uh, I I didn't have it taught to me, it wasn't in seminary taught to me. It was a conversation with Sinclair Ferguson who said this had to be done, and it kinda like you it was like, whoa wait, what, I'm missing out yeah. on all this yeah. with my family. Yeah.
1: So we've gone from, you know, orders in the Church of Scotland that you know, church discipline was to be applied to people who weren't engaging in regular family worship to now, you know, mm-hmm. we even know what it is. You
0: know. yeah, and, and you might tee off on that as well. Um Sunday school, uh is that is that or the pros and cons?
1: Um well Depends on what you mean though um, the Sunday school movement is something that started in the 19th century um, it it was designed um, it was 19th century eighteenth century uh, it was it was designed um, specifically uh, for kids who weren't able to go to school. think about before labor laws right. And you had kids working in factories, you know, all these long hours because they had small hands and they could, you know, do these small tasks with their small hands. And um, and they weren't being educated. And so um, Mr. Rakes in, in England um, decided that something needed to be done about that. Mm-hmm. So they started the Sunday School, which was a school Designed to educate these children in reading and writing and arithmetic, um, using the Bible as a primary source, um, for these kids who weren't allowed to go to school, and there were a couple of objections to the early Sunday school movement. It caught on and it kind of and it grew. A couple of objections, objections, a couple of warnings. Warning number one was: if we are not careful, we're going to begin to apply this. To the children of Christian parents, and if we do that, eventually, you'll have people who are not catechizing their kids. Um, so here we are,
0: yeah. Uh, so so again, it's uh, they overly trusted that system, that program to teach their kids about Christ, to in, to indoctrinate them, and the parents relinquish that, yeah. abdicated their their God given yeah. right. All right. Uh, not necessarily a, a physical family question, but a church family question within church community. Should younger adults correct older adults through Scripture? Um,
1: well, you know, young men are to treat older men as fathers, right? Young women, older women as mothers. Um, and there's a way. There's a way that you approach a father. There's a way that you approach a mother. And I think the problem comes not when um, there is an error in the life of a younger, per, uh, older person that a younger person sees, um, but it comes when we ignore those distinctions. It comes when we ignore the fact that we're approaching um, a father or that we're approaching a mother. Um that's when the difficulty comes i don't think yeah I don't think, I don't think anybody has a has a a problem um, when we understand the proper uh approach and the proper respect that we're to have um, so it's attitude, demeanor,
0: yeah. perhaps
1: less public
0: as possible yeah,
1: absolutely, mm-hmm. just like you would Sincere a father, heart. you know just like you just like you would a father you know.
0: All right, what are practical forms of (laughs) discipline at different ages? Again, what are practical forms of discipline at different ages? When is too old to possibly spank?
1: Um, So practical forms of discipline at different ages. Remember, there's a continuum, and I'm going to assume that this was asked yesterday. Um. Because you know all of those things, none of those things, none of those things would would be changed by age. Right. And you know, encouraging proper behavior, informing of improper behavior, um, rebuking, restraining. I mean, none of those things. None of those things. you You might change the. You might change the the language that you use. You might change the, you know, the, the, your approach or whatever. But you're still going to do all of those things. And so, when it comes to corrective discipline, and specifically when it comes to spanking um, your children, there does come a point um, with our children where that's no longer um, the tool that we use. And I, you know I get asked this question a lot and my children you know would like to know the answer to this question <laughs> um my philosophy is you never tell the enemy when you plan to withdraw your forces <laughs> um cause then they'll just wait till that day and go crazy right um yeah. So no, it there, there there does there does come a point when your child reaches a certain level of maturity, and your interaction with them. And what you'll notice is it's not. And, and here's the problem: we tr- we treat spanking like it's our only tool, right? It's our only tool. When you use this tool, when you don't use this tool, and we're afraid of not having this tool because it's our only tool, right? But when you understand these other tools that we have this formative discipline that we have and when you use that as the gauge what we do is we are able to increase the effectiveness of the formative discipline to the degree that our children mature right we're able to engage them in levels that we couldn't engage them before to the degree that they mature And that's what we're looking for, not some date on the calendar that says, okay, you're this old, we're not going to speak. We're missing the point, okay? Our goal is for them to reach that level of maturity where we can engage with them more effectively on formative discipline and beyond that. So there's external controls and internal controls, okay? Our children have very low internal controls, and so we use external controls, right? Very low internal controls. You put the little plugs in the sockets because they don't have the internal controls and not plug the sockets, right? But there comes a time when, through formative discipline, they're able to increase their internal controls, and that's what we want. We want them to increase their internal controls so that we can lay off the external controls, Okay? That's what maturity looks like, all right? And so the, the question is not, you know, okay, at what time does this? No, that's not our question, and that's not our goal. Our goal is to see a continued increase of our child's internal controls so that we can decrease our use of external controls. And that looks different from child to child.
0: All right, and perhaps in neglect of corporal punishment, many parents have replaced spanking or corporal punishment with removing of electronic devices from their kids for punishment. Do you approve or disapprove, or what would be your opinion?
1: Um, And I think the, the quote that I used from Wesley is very appropriate there, you know. There may be instances wherein this may be effective, but that's not the point. The point is the Bible's clear. Right? That's the point. The Bible's clear. Um, Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, and removing technology will drive it far from... No, that's... (laughs) That's not that's no it's not what the it's not what the bible teaches um now i it it is very appropriate and responsible and reasonable that um we would have limits with our children when it comes to these things right um and and yeah so we 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 need to do that we need to have limits and we need to teach them to be responsible with these things so
0: I already have a few questions here regarding uh family uh, regarding children let's see this first one is are there situations when a family should should take measures to stop having children the sex meats, tubes tied etc
1: um, when it comes to this issue and i i appreciate i appreciate the question this way because oftentimes people ask the question and they're going like okay how do we know you know, how many children we should have or when we have enough children or when we have, right? Um, And that's, to to me, that's getting it the wrong way around. I think the question that we have to ask is this question. Is it ever appropriate to prevent pregnancy? Is it ever biblically appropriate to prevent pregnancy? And if it would be biblically appropriate to prevent pregnancy, what would be biblically appropriate means to prevent a pregnancy? Um, I think that's the right way um, to think about this, and there there could conceivably be um, biblical reasons to prevent a pregnancy. And I always go to the classic, you know, the the wife has had an accident and she's broke her pelvis, right? She has to heal. She has. To, well, again, if 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 I'm applying biblical principles and living with my wife as a weaker vessel and living with her in an understanding manner and caring for her the way that I need to, then I'm not going to get my wife. Pregnant when she's got a broken pelvis that hasn't healed. You you know what I'm saying? So the answer to that question is yes, there is conceivably times when you would want to prevent pregnancies. And then here's the other question. Okay, so how do we do that? And I think there's some other principles that we want to apply there. Um, For example, you don't want to mutilate your body. Like biblically, you don't want to mutilate your body. You don't want to take your body that's functioning properly as God intended it and mutilate your body so that it doesn't function properly as God intended it. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, that's, you know, so we would have to find means that didn't violate that. We'd also have to find means that wouldn't allow for uh, pregnancy to take place. It wouldn't allow for fertilization, you know, um, and so for example, you know, some forms of birth control, um, some birth control pills are abortifacients, they would allow for fertilization, but they would expel the fertilized egg, right? There are some there are some forms of birth control that allow for that. Well, that's that's not acceptable, okay? So um, we need to make sure that we are. Um, thinking through these things biblically, and the reason that I go through this process as opposed to, you know, well, here, do this, do this, do this, do this, um, is because I think, I believe we don't want to think on these issues. We want rules that have loopholes so that we can do what we want and not feel convicted. So this is the process of thinking through this. You have biblical reason for for preventing a pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm scared. I don't believe we'll be able to provide for them. I don't believe. No, that's not. That's not. No, that's faithlessness. That's not a biblical reason to do something, right? I'm, so, again, that's where we start. And then, okay, what means are we going to employ? Okay. Um can't mutilate our bodies. We don't want to do that. My body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to mutilate the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then we're not going to allow for a baby to be created and then expelled, right? Um, so, have to be means that wouldn't involve those two things.
0: All right. The uh, last question pertaining to something similar there. Uh, Obviously, you disagree with abortion. What about fertilized embryos that are now frozen by Christian couples trying to have children?
1: I'm not sure. What what is
0: what? Uh, Frozen embryo, uh, fertilized egg that they uh, fertility treatments where they they store them and then implant them. I don't know. That's the question. Uh, do, you, do you recommend this process? No, no, process, I don't recommend no, this process. Bad, good? I don't recommend the process. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what's, <laughs> the, what's the Cody question? does not recommend what's it. What's the question? What's the, what's all the right. question? All uh, right. What do you think about Christians using vaccines that were made by using aborted fetuses? Last one on this type of issue.
1: Um, yeah, so all of those things would fall into the same category, right? If If we don't need to be using forms of birth control that are abortifacients, then we certainly don't want to be using aborted fetuses to vaccinate ourselves, right? That's, I mean, it kind of, yeah. All right, we just have a few quick questions
0: here. Uh, Could you please speak to, give advice to uh, mixed families, divorced families, Uh, mother or father is not a Christian and one is a Christian trying to shepherd the child? Any specific advice? oh sorry sorry uh, A husband and wife have come together they have a child and they have now divorced separated uh, what would be the advice to the mother or the husband who is a Christian trying to raise their child uh, in a Christ like manner oh, okay, regarding okay. the other who okay. is not saved well I think,
1: I think that goes back to what we talked about before right? the things that we have discussed here these are things that are non-negotiable and there are no circumstances that render these things obsolete okay now, no matter what the circumstances are We have to raise, train, disciple, mentor, prepare our children. We have to engage in formative discipline, corrective discipline with our children. We have to do this to the best of our ability. Um, There are obstacles in our way. Everybody has obstacles in their way. Amen? All of us have obstacles in our way. And what do we do? We overcome those obstacles. There are certain things that are non-negotiables. This is why we started with that whole idea of lifestyle evaluation, right? Um, the, there are things that we consider non-negotiable, and we organize our lives around those things. We have to make sure that this is one of those things that we consider non-negotiable and that we organize our lives around it and that we make it happen um, regardless of whatever we have to do.
0: our voter, you have 30 seconds. Could you quickly... Uh, uh, summarize family integrated worship (laughs) Um,
1: really the idea that family integration is the idea that there's no systematic uh, age graded um, ministry work that goes on within the context confines of the church that the church is a worshiping community that we worship together and that we welcome all into that worship of the church that we don't have, um, you know, separate places or separate, um, you know, um, environments or experiences for people based on um, characteristics like their age, um, but but that we that we bring the church together for worship
0: good all right it is 12 o'clock and we do apologize if we did not get to your question but he does have to leave and head to boston momentarily so we will end in prayer and feel free to uh, purchase the books and anything back there you can they would love for that to happen and if you can catch him and he have a question that you we did not get to ask you might be able to ask him (laughs) on the way out let's pray and we'll be dismissed dearly father thank you for this wonderful time we've had uh, to come together as the body of christ christians believers Submitting to the authority of the Word of God, we thank you for voting and all that you've done in his life to bring him to this point as a teacher and uh, as a speaker and to edify us today. We continue to pray for him. We pray for his ministry. We pray for his school of theology as well. We pray for the young men and young women that are, that are being trained there in the Lord. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless his ministry and raise up others who have the similar passions and same passions to to. Teach and to preach and to raise families and raise young men and young ladies up to serve you, God. We pray that as many here today have even been weighed down, perhaps by some of the points of this topic. Help us to to let this weight sink in. Help it to truly uh, weigh us down for a moment and think on these things seriously as we contemplate how we are to instruct diligently and consistently our children in the Lord. Our goal is to love you with all of our heart, mind, and soul and help us to teach this to our children as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming. And just so you know, our next speaker will be Stephen Wellum in March and Justin Peters in May. Have a great day.